and you're asking yourself, how do I get into the Listener League? Well, you can call into our Whisper Nation hotline. That's one eight three three four ff talk I totally think that 2020 is the year the Browns take it all. Like, what else does this trash year do? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, my but God. Tell you what, Chelsea, I got to just applaud you because if you keep giving us these kind of sets, you're going to make Johnny go back on all of his takes like he just <laughs> did with Miles Sanders. And that's what I'm here for. Chelsea, what are your thoughts? Like, do you have a favorite spot in a 12 team league? Yeah, I was just going to say my favorite spot is to be in one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking pick. about burnt ends from a, a, brit, a brisket. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm down love, for some. Yeah. Some, yeah. Or a prime rib. I yeah. thought that's where you're going to go for and a second. Yeah. For sure, dude. Our rider dies, our our homies, our, our main squeezes, our bromances for the 2020 season are here. Yes, we're back again. We're back again. We're back. Hey, let's pump up the volume. Right here. <laughs> What's up, Whisper Nation? It's Wednesday, July 22nd, and you're listening to episode 109, a special bromance episode of the Fantasy Whisperers with your hosts, Johnny Gametime Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Chelsea. If you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whisperers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whisperers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com, where we have articles, our latest episodes, and a ton of fresh swag. And if you want to support our show, like put some money where your love for the show is, you can sign up as a patron of the Fantasy Whisperers where you'll gain access to a ton of bonus content. So head on over to patreon.com and search the Fantasy Whisperers today. And before we kick things off, I know we have a very special congratulations to make, and that is to FF Fortune who is the newest member of our listener league. So welcome FF fortune and prepare to be dominated. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. this league with us? Yeah. So <laughs> we, uh, basically the people asked for it, as you guys know, if you follow us on YouTube, if you don't, you should subscribe to us over at YouTube. But if you follow us on YouTube, you know that we do mock draft Mondays. Well, FF fortune has been in our mock draft Mondays for the past two months and just been mocking away with us and has been a fan favorite every week. He tends to draft one of the top two, three teams uh, in these leagues, and he just does really well. And so the the people were calling for it. Make FF Fortune part of the Listener League. Johnny and I came together and decided, you know what, let's do this thing. And FF Fortune, congrats, brother. You are in. And now, you, like, as Chelsea said, you deserve to get our wrath. Yeah, it's he's, he's the uh, third person in. And listen, we, we love to give the people what they want. That's what we're here. We're, we are... The fantasy whispers, and so we just we just couldn't do it. We had to listen to our our nation, and we did it. So welcome a little bit in. Of, yeah, a little bit of news on the listener league, Johnny. This year we're gonna do fourteen teams. Uh, last year we only did uh, twelve, and we shared a team. But this year we're doing fourteen teams. Big Travi, Johnny, Game Time Hicks, and the woman behind the glass, Chelsea Lee Byers. We are all getting our own team this year. So there'll be three of us in there, and then. 11 other members of Whisper Nation will make it into the Listener League. And you're asking yourself, how do I get into the Listener League? Well, you can call into our Whisper Nation hotline. That's 1-833-4-FF-TALK. 1-833-4-FF-TALK. That's 
8255. The prompt is, why do you deserve to be in the Whisper Nation Listener League? Uh, that's it. you got to tell us. You've got to make your case, plead your case. There is one other opportunity that we know of right now that you can get in. We talked about these Mock Draft Mondays. We're mocking next Monday. We're going to do a 14-team league based on the Listener League points system, and you will then uh, draft with us if you make the cut. You follow us on Twitter. You get that link. You get in there. If you draft the best team voted by the fans in that lobby that night, then you will make it into the Listener League as well. I'm so excited for this. It's going to be a great year, a great league to be a part of, and it'll change your life if you win. Just ask Lindsay. She's over there sitting with a trophy. Uh, she's sitting happy yeah. and dominated us last year. But also, we we're didn't coming even, for it this year. We didn't even say that the winner of the league is an automatic shoe-in to get into next year's listener league. That is true. So, that uh, is. It is, uh, there is also a trophy that you get. Um, so it, it's fun. It's, it's, we do, we do a good job here. So I, I'm looking forward you, to that. Yeah. Lindsay dominated last year, but I think she could probably say that most of her successes was based on getting that fantasy whispers draft kit, which is now live. Our 2020 draft kit is over on the site, the fantasy Make sure you're downloading that bad boy today for an industry low price of $15. It is completely a bargain. We've got risk assessors. We've got cheat sheets. We've got projections and player profiles and, and anything you could need to dominate your draft and get you some hardware. We're going to help you out. And also, like and subscribe over on YouTube. That helps us grow the channel and helps us put out more content to help you dominate your league as well. But this episode is a very special one, Johnny. This one helps you dominate as well because we essentially pick our guys for the year. Our rider dies, our our homies, our, our main squeezes, our bromances for the 2020 season are here. We are excited to get into this episode. But first, we had a few topics from Reddit as we normally do, so we can't. We're just gonna tease that a little bit, dude. Uh, I'm, but we've I'm got a couple. Like, I, I'm trying to hold back my energy right now on this, bro dude. I almost jumped out from behind this table when you when you said the bromance stuff. I, I feel like I feel like. Uh, remember a couple years ago when we were at our fantasy football draft, we went to uh, the Del Mar racetrack, uh, and yep. you know the horses they get into those stalls, and man, they're antsy. Right before those gates open up, man, that's how I feel right now. But I know we got to get yeah. through these, you know, preliminary races here of these uh, other topics that are fun. I'm looking forward to diving in, but man, I cannot wait for that bromance part. Well, speaking of horses, Johnny, we're going to talk about our dark horse to finish the RB1 in the 2020 season. So we were on Reddit, we're cruising through these topics, and the question was, who is your dark horse to finish as the RB1 in 2020? This has got to be somebody nobody's really thinking about to finish the RB1. Don't give me no Zeke Elliott or Alvin Kamara or CMC. I want somebody, a deep stash, a deep dive. So Johnny, who is your dark horse to finish as the RB1 in 2020? So I wanted to do uh, something that, you know, I wanted to give a realistic dark horse. You know, I didn't want to just, you know, say I, I even went back seven years, eight years in history to see, you know, what are like, where is a realistic spot of grabbing a guy that really could pop off? You know, that could, you know, like we saw it a couple of years ago, Todd Gurley, he, he was drafted, you know, second, uh, early third. Uh, the biggest one was Devonta Freeman 
you know, four or five years ago when he was taken in the eighth and then he was the number one overall. But other than that, it was pretty much you're going to get your guy in the first, second, maybe early third part of uh, drafts that can be the number one. So that kind of narrowed it down. And then I started thinking to myself, well, there has been a guy that we've talked about on this show and I do like him quite a bit. Um, now, he does come with some risk, but I feel like that's kind of uh, when I'm looking at a lot of these cases of these guys that do uh, become uh, the RB1 for the Dark Horse RB1, uh, they they did have risk and they did have some uh, something to overcome to in coming into the system. And so my guy is going to be the one, the only Nick Chubb. I think mm. he is my dark horse to get uh, the number one overall running back. And listen. I, I've talked about uh, Steve Stefanski, the importance of him coming, how much they think he uh, or how much he will run the ball there. He helped Dalvin Cook finish as the RB5 last year in 14 games. Listen, Nick Chubb has stayed healthy his entire career, so you like the you like you know a 16 game sample size. Uh, he could he could get there, and then he's uh, had just under 1,500 rushing yards last season, and. You look at, speaking of our draft kit, look out on our cheat sheet. You look at the right column where it says O-line rankings. Where do you see Cleveland's O-line ranking? At number six. And we just talked about the major correlation between, uh, you know, top running backs and uh, top O-lines. And so, you know, I understand Kareem Hunt is there, but, you know, Alexander Madison was there last year with Dalvin Cook, and we all think Alexander Madison is a really good – I'm not comparing Alexander Madison to Kareem Hunt, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying there is a chance and a real possibility that Nick Chubb does lead this backfield and gets the majority of, of carries, and he you know, he could bust off. I, I like Nick Chubb. Yeah, look, I love Nick Chubb. The talent is undeniable. He's been great since he entered the league. He's a fantastic runner. If you think about Kareem Hunt, who's in the same backfield – and you think about how good Kareem Hunt was. I mean, he led the league in rushing as a rookie. Well, Nick Chubb's better than Kareem Hunt, and that's proven by the depth chart that they have over in Cleveland. He's a better runner than Kareem Hunt, bottom line. I will say the only thing I have problem with it, it is a dark horse because Kareem Hunt exists. Kareem Hunt does definitely cap uh, some of Nick Chubb's upside, but should something happen to uh, Kareem Hunt or should Nick Chubb just start blowing the, the doors off of people, he could definitely see even more touches than he did last year. But I mean, we did imagine, see some of that. Imagine um, if – I'm not saying this is going to happen, but what if they trade Kareem Hunt? How do we know – you know, like – Yes, yeah, that it, is it was definitely very, possible. It was very similar to a few years ago, you know, when Nick Chubb. Well, and Kareem Hunt still has a, a DUI thing going on. He he did have a DUI after the Super Bowl uh, because I, I could imagine he saw the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl and he was not very happy that he didn't play for them anymore. Uh, but either way, uh, yeah, he did deal with that. So that's in the work. So for me. I wanted to talk about what was possible within the system, right? So we've talked before about how hard it is to finish as the RB1, especially to repeat it. Uh, but somebody has repeated it recently, and that's Todd Gurley. In 2017 and in 2018, he finished as the RB1. And so that tells me that Sean McVay, who is still the head coach of the Rams, has the ability to get his running back at the RB1. So for my for me, my dark horse is Cam Akers. I understand it's a rookie. It's a little shaky. But this is a dark horse. I wanted to come out of nowhere with it. And so the idea was, look, uh, you know, just two to three years ago, he had our, you know, Two, he had Todd Gurley getting back-to-back -back years of 250 or more carries, 59 or more receptions. 
2017, he had 19 touchdowns total. And in 2018, he had 21 touchdowns total. Even last year with Gurley's knee and all this, you know, they didn't work him in the passing game. He had over 220 carries and scored 14 total touchdowns. So the touchdown upside is there. We know that if you're the main guy in this, you're going to get at least 200 to 270 carries, or 220 to 270 carries, and you have a shot at getting 320 points in this offense if it's clicking on all cylinders. I think there's a lot to say here that if Cam Akers wins this job, the upside is really there, at least a league winner. But, I mean, dare I say RB1, I'm really excited about the prospects of Cam Akers in that offense. The one thing I'll say is we had the news come out yesterday with the Sean McVay uh, saying that he wanted to employ an RBBC. Uh, that was dreaded news. But I will say that that could benefit uh, Whisper Nation because now Cam Akers' draft stock should fall. And as a result, I've always said I like to take, similar to San Francisco, I'll give me the second piece of that cog because – um, you know, they go through a lot of running backs because it is a brutal kind of system. The way that it, it's just set up, you're giving your all on every single run. And um, so if Cam Akers, you know, can get into that 9-10 round area, why not? You know, it, it was you, you said it. Even Todd Gurley, the year that he popped off, was going, you know, in the fifth or sixth round. So uh, it is possible. I, I like the call. I like the call. It is bold. It is bold. But uh, I like it. Yeah, I just look at a system that can get you there, and we've seen this system get a guy there twice uh, at the RB1. So that that was kind of my thinking behind the Cam Akers. Nice. Chelsea, did you have a dark horse this week or uh, or this year that you think could get RB1? Almost yeah, I mean, it's the- funny that, that Johnny started mentioning uh, with Nick Chubb. I totally think that 2020 is the year the Browns take it all. Like, what else does this trash year do? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, my god! But gosh, I wasn't that's... thinking Nick Chubb. I was thinking if it's a true dark horse candidate, then it is going to be Kareem Hunt finding oh, his way wow. to the top of that backfield. I hate to count on injuries, but I just feel like some crazy dominoes are going to fall, and we're going to see Kareem Hunt do some Kareem Hunt-like things. Um, That was mine. It's so crazy. (laughs) It's so crazy to me. Every year we get, we get, as an industry, we get smacked in the face for trusting the Cleveland Browns. And every year we go right back to it. We're like an addict. We're like, yeah, "Yeah, we got to jump back on the Cleveland Browns. We all love the underdog story. It's the underdog story. But here's what I love about Chelsea's pick that's so great is there are two different kind of outcomes, right? Like there's the outcome that, and both are like very realistic that Hunt could be the RB1. Um, one is that he does, you know, based on injury, get the number one pick, you know, or whatever, and that he gets that way. Or if he does get traded to a team and that team ends up being, you know, like he could be the RB1 on that team and then he could see his path there. So I really do like that. Well done, Chelsea. Well done. Thanks. All right. So we're moving on to our next topic off Reddit. One of the uh, questions that we had here was based off of ADP, who are the worst RB values? There were some great names that were being tossed around there, but I just wanted to highlight a couple of my guys before I give it over to you, Johnny, for a few of yours. Uh, Picked four names that really stood out to me here. I got Aaron Jones at RB9. Uh, he's at 205 in the second round. I just feel like we've talked about this at length. Aaron Jones, 
stepping into regression most likely, especially in the touchdown category. But then you talk about this team wanting to switch to a one-two punch. That's why they got A.J. Dillon. He is a Derrick Henry physical type. Will probably take some of those touchdowns, I would imagine. Uh, then you've got Austin Eckler at RB12 in the, at the 209 spot, Johnny. I just I can't trust that Eckler is going to be some sort of workhorse. And I think we've heard from Anthony Lynn basically saying there's other backs on this squad that we can trust to kind of help carry the load. Eckler's going to be great, I think, as far as a PPR guy. But as RB12, I just don't know if I can trust him to be my RB1 over the length of a season. And then a couple of rookies, Jonathan Taylor. We talked about these guys on Mock Draft uh, Monday. Jonathan Taylor's sitting at RB24 in the fifth, and DeAndre Swift is sitting at RB27 in the sixth. These systems uh, tend to tend to make me think it's going to be a full-blown RBBC, uh, especially with the COVID offseason, with the way rookies aren't getting the usual reps that they would be getting. Uh, you're going to look at a system that you have established guys there, not saying they're great, but they are established veterans that will be carrying the load, at least for the beginning of the season. And do you really want to grab a guy to be your RB2 that is in a full-blown committee? I just don't love the value here on these on these ADPs. And so these were kind of the group of guys that I went with. Um, I, I didn't grab a bunch of them. I just did one. Um, uh, I will say that I, I agree with you with the Jonathan Taylor. Um, my, my opinion on Jonathan Taylor is not that I, I, and I want Whisper Nation to know this because people will see he is a very talented running back. I'm not trying to say that he is, um, the most talented ru pure running back that came out of this draft. And he is very close to the style of Saquon and Zeke. Don't be surprised if in a couple of years he is going top 10, top 5 because he is that talented. And Indy's offensive line is number one ranked. So, there, you know, you, people are probably like, well, then why would you rank? Why would you say he's too high? And the reason is, is that is going to be a three-headed monster. And I'm, I started to think back a little bit more, too, of two years ago. Um, Indy was a very, very much a headache, uh, and they were a three-headed monster between Mac Wilkins and uh, and Hines. I think, I think that that's what they want to do there. I think um, more teams are kind of seeing the benefit in employing a three-down kind of style uh, for certain systems. I'll say. Um, and, and Frank so, Reich comes from Philly, and that style has always been Doug Peterson's yep. style: is to run multiple guys that do different. Uh, have different tools and traits within that offense. Yep, exactly. And listen, I'm not saying that JT won't have games because he will have games. He'll have games where he explodes. I'm just not sure if you're going to be able to predict them unless there's an injury to somebody. But I will say that if um, if his if his draft price can fa fall a little bit and something were to happen to Marlon Mack or Naheem Hines, we could see a similar uh, situation that Nick Chubb saw a few years ago where all of a sudden he was an RB1 that won you uh, your league most likely because of, of a trade and an injury that happened or, or whatever. And um, so there is that, but the difference is you're spending a fourth rounder currently on Jonathan Taylor versus Nick Chubb back then was a ninth or 10th rounder. So, um, much different draft capital, but I, I did, I will counter with what you're saying with DeAndre Swift. Um, I will say that I think his cap where you have to take him in the seventh round is okay because I do think that eventually 
Um, well, they got him in the sixth where, when I was looking at four for four. Oh, he's so, now in the sixth now? Yeah, that, that's the thing is I think he keeps creeping up, and he's going to eventually be where Jonathan Taylor is yeah, at the very right. back end of the RB2 situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I don't know if I can trust him as a pure RB2 yet until sure. we hear Carryon Johnson's been benched or Carryon Johnson's been hurt. But who who stuck out to you as far as a uh, worst value as the as, at the running back position? Uh, well, I mean, that was just that I was honestly looking. I mean, I wanted to speak to someone that we hadn't we hadn't spoken on in a while or, or um, not as much. And like like you said, Aaron Jones, you hit it. Um, Eckler, I would agree with that as well. Um, so I, I'm, I'm I'm really good with those ones. Yeah, I threw in Delvin Cook to the mix. I mean, it's sort of hard because I know the guy uh, had quite the season last year, but I am somebody who gets so worried about. Uh, injury and when it comes to a running back that you're taking at that value a guy who's missed 19 games in Mm. three seasons when we don't even know how many games anybody is going to get this season because of covid um, that has me a little bit shaky and then the guy's playing in a holdout and i mean i watched johnny suffer through a melvin gordon holdout taking a huge huge audacious risk thinking it'd pan out and just that pain and agony and while I trust we've learned plenty from the Melvin Gordon uh, holdout situation that Dalvin Cook isn't looking to repeat, uh, it just makes me way nervous to think that he's going to be the fifth running back off the board. Don't want none of that. Yeah, there's just it's craziness, right? We Le'Veon Bell held out and missed his opportunity at big bigger money uh, with Pittsburgh and with the Jets or with any other team. Uh, he then. You know, Melvin Gordon watches that and sees the idiot, like the stupidity of it, and mm-hmm. still holds out last year. And then, you know, when you talk about Dalvin Cook, Johnny, you very astutely pointed this out. There's no leverage for Dalvin Cook to do this deal or to to hold out. But yet, if he still does, would you be that surprised? Because we've watched back to back years of guys just kind of being idiotic and doing this just based off, you know, and I don't want to discredit players having their feelings hurt. Like players should do what's best for them. Dalvin Cook should do what's best for Dalvin Cook in his mind. But I will just say, like, if you're watching these guys do that. But, yeah, I loved what Chelsea said here, adding risk to the fact that he's already an injury risk mm-hmm. and we have the COVID risk. Now you're going to add the holdout. Yeah, I, and we talked about this when the holdout was talking. If he was still holding out and you were going to draft and he's still within the top five, it's just a little too risky for us. And he's still sitting here at the number five in the first round. I thought that was a great take there, Chelsea. Um we are moving on here. Just a really fun topic here. Uh, we're looking at a 12-team PPR league, probably the most popular league that's out there right now. Maybe 10 teams, just a, a slightly more popular, but 12 teams really getting there. 12-team PPR leagues. We wanted to ask uh, and get the get the situation going. What is the best spot in a 12-team PPR league? Um, Johnny, Chelsea, we our league of record is actually a 12-team standard league, so we'll have some experience as far as drafting in 12-team and what we think as far as our um, our concern. But I wanted to talk to you guys about this. Johnny, what is the best spot in your mind, especially this year, for a 12-team PPR league? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because typically uh, I am a fan of kind of the ender picks, you know? I, I generally like those ones. I like grabbing my two guys and um, I feel like I get I, I can get good value there. However, when it comes to this year, Travis, I'm really, really digging, uh, you know, the four and five picks, the middle round picks, um, especially just with this draft and how it's like kind of panning out. It just feels like uh, if you're in that middle section, 
Uh, you don't have to reach for guys. You can kind of assess the, the situation, assess your team, and really do what's best for your team and draft the best uh, for your team. Um, because if you're at the ends, I feel like you're, you're having to reach each time because you're, yeah. you know, there, you have so much, especially time. on that second guy, mm -hmm. like you get the guy that you like, but maybe, you know, like I'm 24 picks away. I, I've got to, I've got to grab my guy. And then what ends up, I, someone, I was reading uh, this article that someone was writing about their opinion on where they like going. And it was very, I never really thought about it before, but it is true. What ends up happening is oftentimes when, because there's such a swing, by the time the, the guys get to you, you don't really like the the guys that fell to you. So now you're reaching even more to that next section of guys, or you're saying to yourself, oh, I have to take this guy because he is the best available, even though I'm not a big fan of him or whatever. So uh, I much prefer the uh, those that four and five area. And the last thing I'll say, the reason why I like it is because – it helps me predict a little bit. Um, like I can much more predict, you know, six to eight moves than I can, you know, twelve to twenty-four moves. Yeah. So I can much I like that. Yeah, I can much uh, more navigate and say, hey, I might, you know, I, this group of players should be available based on these four teams and what they need and what they might draft or what they like to draft. So I can go here. Uh, that's just kind of what I like to do. Kelsey, what are your thoughts? Like, do you have a favorite spot in a 12-team league? Yeah, I was just going to say my favorite spot is to be in one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, all that was good. There. Um, no, I mean, I've had some great experiences and love when I was in the third overall spot and Saquon Barkley came to me that year. Um, it kind of took the pressure off of getting, like, the best running back or feeling like I had yeah. – uh, like I had my one spot and if I screwed up and didn't get the number one guy who ended up the number one guy over the season, you know, it's just sort of a no win scenario at the number one spot, I think, because you're never yeah. going to get that return on value. It's just such a dice roll. So I don't know. I really like that third spot. You know, you're going to get the best of the top three or one of the, you know, top three best. That's really good. Yeah. Um, and the pressure's year, off. Yeah. yeah pressure's yeah, totally off. That. But this year I'm totally eyeing the backside of the draft because I like having those picks sort of more stacked back to back. 12th spot is too much pressure. I will say that. Like, just having two picks right after another, I hate that. I don't know. I'm See, sure I would actually go think... Wrong, just get your shit together type of drafter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I typically love the ends because I feel like you have an extended clock. So you just oh, have to I make two picks. I thought you were picks. talking about burnt ends from a, a, bri a brisket. I was like, yeah, oh, I'm, yeah, dude, I'm down love... for some... Yeah. Some, yeah. Or a prime rib. I thought yeah. that's where you're gonna go for and a second. Yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah, for sure. I love. I'm glad you brought. God, <laughs> you can't think about prime rib or brisket in the morning, but <laughs> I, I am. Uh, I would say this year I was looking at it, and I'm gonna go a PPR league. That's what we're talking about here. I'm gonna go with the sixth spot, and I think that this allows you to get a pick, usually of the top wide receivers or potentially a running back if one of those running backs fall. So if you get a top five guy to fall yeah. because somebody reached for a, a wide receiver, you're sitting there at the six getting the best. Uh, uh, like Chelsea said, you get a little bit of a, the best of the running backs, or maybe you get the best wide receiver. And in a PPR league, you can't really go long there. And I think the last thing I really want to say here is when you're in the middle of these drafts, especially as Johnny alluded to, when you get bigger drafts, uh, 12 team, 14 teams, and you're in the middle – 
yes, you get those spots where you can see. But more importantly, Johnny, you get to see you get to bob and weave with positional runs. Yeah. So runs will start happening at the quarterback or running back position. And you can either be a part of that or see that it's happening and zig when everybody's zagging. And I think that's a huge advantage to have when you're in the middle of your draft. So for me this year, I think 12 team PPR league. Give me the sixth spot. Yeah, that's a great I, I, I like what you said there. So a uh, little fun request from our number one fan, Jacob Blay. We decided we were going to go with a keep trade cut section here. We are not privy, being me and Johnny are not privy to what names that are going to be thrown out here. So we're going to do a little rapid fire. Chelsea's going to give us a few of these keep trade cuts, and we're going we're gonna to run through this. I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I know some <laughs> names are going to come up, and it's going to get real raw and emotional here. This week. Knees weak, arms heavy. <laughs> yeah. Vomit, vomit on your sweater already. Yeah. That's right. So for this first inaugural keep trade cut, I thought I would pull three names that are all undisputed elites in their position, often going the first off the board at each of their role. So if you had okay. all three of these guys, of course you'd want to keep them all. But that is not the game we're playing. <laughs> that is not the game we're playing. You right. gotta keep one, trade one, cut one, and the names are Patrick Mahomes, Michael Thomas. And Christian McCaffrey. Travis, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, okay. This is this may be a little cheap, but I'm going to keep Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, career length for quarterbacks versus running backs and wide receivers is longer, so I'm keeping Mahomes. Obviously, I don't know that I've ever seen anybody that can throw the football as skilled as Patrick Mahomes. This guy is really one of the guys that you'd be saying, you know, Screw taking quarterback late. I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't matter. I'm going to trade Christian McCaffrey because his his value is at an all-time high. We've talked about how hard it is to repeat at the running back one position. He is the highest his value has ever been. You could get a ransom for Christian McCaffrey right now. And unfortunately, I love Michael Thomas. I love can't guard Mike. But in the, this scenario, I've got to choose one. I'm cutting Michael Thomas. <laughs> Uh, Travis, like when you first started off, uh, saying that you would take Pat Mahomes or keep Pat Mahomes and I'm like, this dude's lost it. He has really lost it for this show. Um, but then as you kept breaking it down, it, it does make a lot of sense. Now I will say to counter your CMC point, And, uh, I just researched this yesterday and found this out. Uh, CMC, I, you know, I uh, do agree that, you know, the chance of him repeating are very, very slim. But what is interesting to note is the vast majority of times, uh, the number one overall pick generally is, is pretty safe as far as their floor. They will still remain an RB one. Uh, we've seen like some of the most dramatic ones, uh, you know, barring injury, of course, but like DJ was still a top, uh, you know, 12 RB. He fell quite a bit, but uh, he was still an RB1, you know. Uh, but vast majority of times, they end up being like RB103 or, or RB2 on the year. So CMC is the safest pick, I would I would think, of the top three. Uh, but I don't think he's most likely to return as the RB1. But I think I'm going to go with that long uh, narrative there, and I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to, because of the values and what and what's going on, you can get a ransom for CMC. And so, uh, yeah, you you got to trade him, and then you got to keep Pat Mahomes over Michael Thomas, I would think. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. 
All right, Chelsea, you got you got any more of these? Yeah, these I fun, got a man. couple more of them. And uh, Travis, you started the last one off, so we're gonna start this one with Johnny. Okay. Um, Johnny, I had to give you the heart attack. I had to do oh, it. No. I had to hear your response on this show. I knew I should have went you first last coming. time. You know what's coming. Oh, your no. boys, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster. Why did I you have to do it, that? I knew. Okay. I am. I want to hear this from you because I know it's so hard for everybody when they have all these guys that they love so much. How do you make these decisions? How do you really break it down? So I'm curious to hear how you would do this. All right. I'm going to start with who I'm trading first. Um, This hurts my heart. It's heavy on my heart. (laughs) But I just got to do it. I just got to cut it off right now uh, for the the sake of this. Just for the sake of this clip. That's it. Um, But I would trade... AJ Brown right now because I believe that he has the most hype around his name um, and you could get the most value back for him. So I would trade him. I would cut Juju and I would keep DJ Moore because I think DJ Moore has the chance to be a top five wide receiver this year. So, um, and I, I am a little bit concerned about the volume in Tennessee, just a little bit. But I still think A.J. Brown is a beast, and he's going to be awesome, and you need to draft him. And I would keep both of them somehow. I would figure a way out. I thought you were spot on when you said trade A.J. Brown. I thought that was a great uh, call there. Uh, and then you had this all wrong when you went the other way. You should definitely be keeping Juju Smith-Schuster because he's tied to a quarterback we know can get wide receivers in the top five. Not we think. We know. Uh, he's done it before multiple times. And so for me, Juju is locked into probably, if Big Ben's healthy and Juju's healthy, he's locked into probably 150 to 170 targets this year. Uh, in that offense, and that, for me, is why I'm keeping Juju, and I will cut, unfortunately, DJ Moore. Uh, Even though I love DJ Moore, I love his talent, I just, there's too many questions within that offense, and as Johnny said, there's way more hype on A.J. Brown's name, which probably isn't rightfully so. There should be more hype on DJ Moore's name. He's further into his career. He's shown it more, and I think there's actually more questions about the Titans' volume than than, than there is the Panthers' volume as far as a passing attack. But uh, we have to talk about the market. What does the market say? And the market says AJ Brown uh, needs to be traded out of these three. That's not. That's Love good. it. Well, I got one more for you guys, and this is a great segment. I hope we keep doing this throughout the season, uh, especially as the stakes get higher. Yeah. Um, but this last one, I sort of went through. Um, yeah. Next time, I'm going to at- do three of your best players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, speaking of. Uh, I was sliding down through running back ADP and found a set of three running backs who are sort of in the same ADP uh, realm, but they seem like very different situational guys. And these three guys I'm talking about, maybe you'll know the names right away. One of them is new, new. I'm talking rookie new on a new team, new. One of them is old, old (laughs) and on a new team. So that's sort of an exciting scenario. And one of them is uh, a second year player, but in a potentially new scenario. How the heck did Frank Gore get on this show, dude? (laughs) Not that old, old. Oh, okay. I'm talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Kansas City Chiefs, who's going at the, you know, second end of uh, second round spot. Miles Sanders with the Philadelphia Eagles and Todd Gurley. Of the wow, Atlanta Falcons. 
This is very good. different scenarios. Very mm. unpredictable. Yeah. I, yeah. This is this is a volatile set of three. So it's a, a good job, Chelsea, to pick yeah, all. Three I love of these. this I one. Think, uh, this one got gets me thinking. But I am going That's to. Why I woke up two hours early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No joke. Huh? Uh, I am going to keep. Clyde Edwards Elaire uh, because he's tied to not only Andy Reid, who is has a history of uh, running backs doing really well and sticking with one running back when he when he can. Uh, and the things he said about CEH as far as being uh, similar to running backs that he's had before, but better. Uh, I'm going to keep him. I think he's better here. I'm going to trade Miles Sanders away. Obviously, another guy whose value is super high right now, but is tied to an offense uh, that we have never really seen in Doug Peterson give the guy the rock for, uh, you know, Johnny's yelled at me multiple times for how many touches that Miles Sanders is going to get. Like, where's the math on that? And then I'm cutting Todd Gurley. This one's for me. He's probably the most volatile of these three, just based on his arthritic knee, based on the fact that he, you know, was non-existent in the passing game last year with the Rams. I know that they're saying that he's going to be existent in the passing game for the Falcons, but of these three, I'd say he's probably the most volatile. I'm going to go with those uh, keep trade cut. You you almost had this right. You almost had it. I can't believe you switched it up at the last second. Travis, this is a bromance episode, man. Come on. How are you going to – how is this going to be the bromance episode? And you're not going to go with your guy, Miles Sanders. That's the right answer. Listen, I understand that, like, I have my concerns with how is he going to get 250 touches, but – I'm more con I am more confident that he is going to get 200 plus touches than CEH is going to get 200 plus touches. Now, I do like CEH uh, quite a bit, and I understand he is tied to that offense, which is why I am trading CEH because I will make that argument to the person I'm trading. I will push him on that. I will say you're getting this great, great, great value when I don't can't guarantee that that's the value you're going to get. Um, with Miles Sanders, I've at least seen that he is a beast running back and that I know that that offense uh, will give him the rock um, behind a really good offensive line. Um, so I would I would keep Miles Sanders. I would trade CEH and I would cut uh, Todd Gurley, unfortunately. I like him a lot this year, but that knee, like Travis said. So that I'll was... tell you what, Chelsea, I got to just applaud you because if you keep giving us these kind of sets, you're going to make Johnny go back on all of his takes like he just <laughs> did with Miles Sanders, and that's what I'm here for. So keep <laughs> it up with the keep trade cut uh, combos because that is what we need. We need Johnny eating crow on his takes. <laughs> well, Johnny, Chelsea. It is time. We made it. Let's do this thing. We made Bromance it. Romance 2020. It's time. Guys, if you're unfamiliar, we do this every year. And what we try to do is give you guys from each position that we will stick with, that these are our guys, that we see them, you know, exceeding ADP, that we see them doing big things for your roster that you can count on. We have done the, we've done the research. We've researched the heck out of these guys and their situations and there's just no way that we can come up that they're not going to get it done for you now of course things happen we've been wrong on bromance <laughs> yeah. before uh i have fallen you know look love is love is hard blind. sometimes yeah, love is yeah, blind well, you know, so... it's it's hard it's hard work and sometimes people let you down you know, people that you love the most, they let you down. But this year, we're pretty confident in the guys we've got, and we're going to bring them to you right away. We're starting with the tight end position. Johnny, take it away, brother. Who is your bromance 
for 2020 at the tight end position? My bromance at the 2020 position or my my <laughs> bromance at the tight end position in 2020 is Johnny's love drunk already. I, I know, dude. I'm like sorry gushing. My heart is beating right now. I can barely confess my love for him. Uh and that is tight end Jonu Smith from Tennessee. Listen, you can get this guy super late in drafts, and I am going to build my confidence in Jonu Smith for you. Or I don't know. I don't know. I'm just I'm just going to jump into this. Love just doesn't make sense right now. Once Ryan Tannehill became the, the Tennessee Titans starting quarterback in week six. All right. Uh, we'll give him we'll give him week six off because he's shaking off the rust. So we'll say from week seven on. You look at what Jonu Smith did in this offense. His snap count went to, on average, 80%. He saw no less than three targets per game and uh, with Ryan Tannehill. And his upside is definitely there if you're looking for an ups uh, uh, the upside of, of a tight end and whether or not he can actually get there. Week 7, 3 for 64. Week 8... He had six reception for 78 yards and a touchdown. And then check this out. Four, weeks 14, 15, and 16, Travis. Three receptions, five receptions, and three receptions. Here are his totals. 29 yards and a touchdown, 60 yards, and 63 yards. So the yardage he can he can get there if he gets the touchdown, you're you're looking at a top tight end performance. And then you look at what he did in the playoffs to, to continue that. He was third on the team in targets. Uh, he had six receptions for 59 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and then Anthony uh, Ferkser, who was uh, also a tight end during that span, or, you know, was a tight end in the playoffs. He had 45 yards and two touchdowns. If that goes towards more towards Jonu because he could take that step, you're looking at a tight end that could could really be, you know, a top five, a top three and make that big jump this year. And Jonu Smith, I love his talent. I love his situation. You talk about uh, what it takes for a tight end to get to the next level. They've got to be an athletic one usually, and they've got to be drafted on like the first few days in the draft. Jonu Smith checks those boxes. He is now set up to be the man uh, as we've watched Delaney Walker move on, retire with this team. And if you're talking about, we talked about A.J. Brown at the top of the show. If you're talking about the questions that it gets A.J. Brown to 25% of the market share here, I honestly think there's less questions with Jonu Smith. He's the safer option to get more of the volume in the passing game than maybe A.J. Brown, even mm -hmm. though A.J. Brown is so talented. We've got to talk about Tannehill. If you're trying to fight the urge to love Tannehill because you just don't know if you buy that small game sample size. This is an easier sell because it's a tight end. It's easier to get the ball to your tight end. And a he's lot always so targeted as his tight end, even going back to his Miami days with uh, Charles yeah. Clay and Cam Jordan. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot to love here with uh, Jonu Smith, and he's be quickly becoming one of my favorite late-round tight ends. Oh, uh, yeah, I know he is. <laughs> But I wanted to talk about a guy towards the top of the boards that I think is just getting disrespected uh, a little bit too much, and that's Mark Andrews, Johnny. He is going currently uh, in the third round when Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are being taken in the second. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrews has actually been falling to the fourth round. So I think that's a little bit too far of a Even gap better. between these two. Yeah, well, and I'll just tell you why. I think, you know, in 2019, we saw a great year out of Mark Andrews. Fifth most targets with 98. 
He was first in tight end touchdowns with 10, fifth in receiving yards, 852. He had uh, the fifth highest yards per reception, 13.3, was getting down the field in a big way. Number one in fantasy points per pass route and number one in deep targets. So you think tight ends are usually those guys that stay in the middle of the field, just kind of dink and dunk, not Mark Andrews. He did all this, Johnny, on 43% of the snap share. That was 67th. 67th in the NFL last year, Johnny. You're talking about a guy that did not get a lot of snaps. Well, guess what? Hayden Hurst is gone, okay? And you looked at Mark Andrews last year. He was banged up, too, and he only ran routes on 61% of Baltimore's dropbacks. So he did all this work on not a starting tight end snap share. Well, Hayden Hurst gone. Mark Andrews is here to step up. That's 39 targets and 219 routes run by Hayden Hurst last year that have been vacated, and now Mark Andrews gets to add that to his collection. The Ravens were trailing, Johnny, on only 19% of their offensive plays last year. That was the least amount in the NFL, which means they are going to have to pass more, and we've just basically proven that Mark Andrews is the main vein of this offense because that's what Lamar Jackson loves. He loves targeting the tight end. Um, I just, I think if you look at NFL history, Andrews has the 13th most receiving yards through his first two NFL seasons, um, that in NFL history. So we're talking about a guy who's, who's doing it historically. He did it last year and he set up to be the man this year and be what drives this offense. And we talk about Kittle and we talk about Kelsey and we talk about their market share and that's what makes them a second rounders. And so great. Uh, Mark Andrews is set up there for that same market share. And I, I just love him this year. Yeah, I, I I love him too. He's on my dynasty team. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I, right. couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you, with your points you made. Uh, he Chels, he, do you have? Oh, sorry. No, I don't have them for any of them. <laughs> you got any? You don't no tight end that's uh, that you're loving. No, this she year? doesn't have any bromances. She just has romances. She's not a. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. true. That's why she said All I right. don't have any of that. No. All right, so the court. <laughs> The next, the next position we're going to talk about is the quarterback position. Uh, this is our bromance for the quarterback position. Johnny, who do you got this year? I think I know who your guy is, but I want you to, I want you to tell Whisper Nation what's going on, who, who you're really crushing on this year. So the guy I'm crushing on this year was actually also the guy I ironically was having a crush on in our very first bromance episode uh, that we ever did, and it didn't work out well. But I'm doubling down. I'm going with it again because I think it will work out this time. I'm, I'm one of those people I like, you know, let's just try giving it another chance. Let's give this relationship one more shot and see what we can do. And that is Matthew Stafford. Give it to me. Love him this year. He was on pace for f over 5,000 passing yards and 38 touchdowns before his injury. People don't realize that. And so he is he's going at a significant discount right now this o-line is much improved uh from last year it, it's right around 16 it's not it's like middle of the pack but if you looked at what they were last year they were more like 25 24 uh area so that's good they get deandre swift one of the most um you know uh that he could do both running and passing out of the backfield uh so he, he's very dynamic that is good for matthew stafford he gets marvin jones back he gets to be back and healthy after, you know, uh, cracking a rib and what else, whatever else he had uh, that kept him, you know, from back. Yeah, broke yeah. his back. Yeah. So um, here's here's the best part, though, and why I, I was so confident because I, I, I almost was like, I don't 
Do I really want to get? Because I'll admit, our draft kit, when we did our premium projections, they didn't, they didn't bode well for Matthew Stafford. But I said, screw it. I don't care what the projections say. Give it to me. Because look at this. First six weeks, okay? Detroit Lions have a terrible defense. It is one of the worst in the league. Last year, they were 31st in pass attempts. Fifth worst in passing uh, touchdowns given up. Uh, they did draft some rookie defensive pieces. But again, COVID, rookies, like, don't, uh, don't project an immediate impact for the defense. And look at these first six weeks, Travis. You have the Bears, Packers, Cardinals, Saints, Jags, and Falcons. Out of all those teams, maybe the Jags might be the only team where you're like, I don't know if that will be a shootout, but all of these other games should be shootouts. So give me Matthew Stafford. I'll be off to a hot start. And then if he falls off after that, then you can maybe pivot. But I, I think Matthew Stafford is going to have a dynamite year. And so Matthew Stafford is my quarterback bromance for 2020. Yeah, low-key, the weapons are stacked. You've got Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, even TJ Hawkinson. You talked about Swift and even Carryon Johnson Hawkinson. being skilled receivers. You've got to get it with the back of your Hawkinson. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, confused with somebody with COVID, so I'm Whoa. just going to keep it with the no wow, normal. Uh, yeah. So anyways, uh, I, <laughs> I think that <laughs> – I think that uh, they're set up there. They've got all the weapons to make it happen. And we saw, like you said, you painted the picture perfectly as far as a defense setting them up for game scripts that will be very profitable for fantasy football purposes. Well, well stop crushing on mine. I want to hear about your bromance at Look, the quarterback I, position. I, this, one, this one took a little risk on my end, but I, I just the more I look at it, I can't see a situation where Daniel Jones doesn't make it as a starting quarterback, and not just a starting quarterback, but really has the opportunity to crack into the top six at the quarterback position because of what he's been able to do already. Last year as a rookie, 3,027 yards with a 62% completion percentage. He had the 13th most touchdowns with 24. He also added two rushing scores. So those touchdowns, those 24 passing touchdowns, was as much as Tom Brady last year, but more than Kyler Murray, Phillip Rivers, and Jared Goff. On a points-per-game basis, Johnny, he was better than Carson Wentz and Aaron Rodgers last year. He's the 11th best QB in 2019 as far as fantasy points per game. He also had the 7th most rushing yards in with 279, and that was only playing in 13 games, Johnny. He did all these things only playing in 13 games. Imagine where he would have stacked up had he got a full 16. Giants last year had the ninth most passing attempts with 607. This defense did not improve that much to be a team that will be uh, throwing less than that, in my opinion. And then you look at Jason Garrett, who has now taken over as the offensive coordinator. Uh, newsflash, he's had long careers and long successful careers of Dak Prescott and Tony Romo for fantasy football, who were starters in their own right. Daniel Jones is pretty much set up. And then we talked about Detroit being low-key stacked. Sterling Shepard, you've got Darius Slayton, Golden Tate at the wide receiver position for the New York Giants, okay? You've got Evan Ingram, who is maybe the most athletic tight end we've got in the game right now uh, at the tight end position. He just needs to stay healthy. And then, of course, Saquon Barkley is your running back. I mean, I just don't see how Daniel Jones doesn't have all the tools to really exceed at the position this year, and you're getting him as like the 11th QB off the board. Uh, in some instances, uh, the 13th or 14th QB off the board. So really, I just think he's got it all, and he's ready to rock and roll here. Give me Daniel Jones. Give me Danny Dimes. Plus, dude, have you seen these videos of this guy dancing? 
Talk about falling in love, man. This guy can really bust a move. Hey, I I do like me some some Danny Dimes this year. You uh, you convinced me very very much so that I need to trust in Danny Dimes, and uh, I do I do trust you. So I I like Danny well, you Dimes. Know- Whisper Nation sitting here talking about, you know, hey, you guys give us tight ends and quarterbacks. That's cute. But really, we want the heavy hitters. I want some wide receivers, some running backs. What are your guys' bromances? So let's let's start with these wide receivers, Johnny. And you talked about Matt Stafford, and you painted that picture for me. And so I've got to take his his number one wide receiver, Babytron. Kenny Galladay is my bromance for the 2020 season. And look, you talk about Matt Stafford missing eight games. Kenny Galladay didn't care. He he had the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL last year with 11. He was number one in deep targets with 37, sixth in receiving yards with 1,190, and fourth in yards per reception, 18.3 yards per reception, Johnny, just getting down the field with great speed. Speaking of uh, speed, he has 110.7 speed score for player profiler. We love player profiler. We love how they're able to give us the, I need to remind Whisper Nation of Kenny G's specimen, six foot, four inches, 218 pounds. When I say Babytron, I mean it. This guy is stacked and we've seen career uh, over the career of Matt Stafford, the ability to funnel targets to his number one guy. I mean, just remember what he used to do with Calvin Johnson, just down the field, hucking it up. And maybe nobody throws a prettier deep ball in the NFL than Matt Stafford. I want to talk a little bit about what Johnny was talking about with and without Matt Stafford last year. There was eight games apiece. The big stats for me. With Matt Stafford, 25.5 points per game the Lions averaged. Without him, 17.1. Okay, you're talking about red zone opportunities per game, 9.1 with Matt Stafford, 6.3 without. When Matt Stafford is healthy and he's been cleared for this back injury that Johnny was just talking about, uh, Kenny Galladay is really ready to be a top five wide receiver, and I think he could finish easily as the wide receiver one if he gets a full year with Matt Stafford the entire year. He's currently going in the third round, but he belongs in the second, and he belongs in your lineup, Whisper Nation. Kenny Galladay, give me all the shares this year. I love Kenny G. Huge fan of Kenny G. I will say that I think there may be an opportunity based on um, how this season opens up and it's kind of brutal because he'll face uh, Prince of Mukamara. Then he goes and plays your Packers who have um, – what's the cor- – uh, now I'm blanking. Yeah, Alexander. Yeah, who is a, a very solid corner. Then he'll come to the Cardinals where he'll face Patrick Peterson. Then he goes to the Saints where he'll he'll face um, – my um, gosh, now I, I need to brush up. Marshawn on Lattimore. Yeah, Marshawn. Thank you. So um, then he goes to the Jack. So week five could be – uh, uh, right after week four could be a very good buying opportunity if he doesn't come out. But I think there is a very real uh, prob- or possibility and probability that ba- uh, baby Megatron is a beast wide receiver, and it doesn't matter. He is going to get his, and I, I do see that as a realm of possibility because he is so so talented. But Travis, can't I can't hold it back anymore, dude. We're at the wide receiver spot, and it's my bromance. And yeah. I got I, I can't I can't hold myself back anymore. I got a little bit of a surprise. This is gonna be like Jerry Springer, a little bit. <laughs> you guys, we we did share a little bit of notes uh, before the show, and I had said originally that uh, DJ Moore was going to be my bromance for this show at the wide receiver position. Um, 
but then I just I just couldn't do it to Whisper Nation. I just couldn't oh, give them came to your senses. No, no, no. It, it wasn't that I I I came to my senses. I still think DJ Moore is going to be an excellent excellent wide receiver. I love him this year. I do. But this is my bromance. Like this is someone I am going to be attached to all year long. I'm going to be talking about all year long, and I couldn't. I couldn't do it to Whisper Nation. I couldn't pass up this opportunity to confess my true love for this wide receiver, and that is wide receiver Terry McLaurin out of Washington. Uh, he finished last season as the wide receiver 29 in his rookie year. He had 58 receptions on 93 targets for 919 yards, seven touchdowns in only 14 games, Travis. This guy had an awesome connection with Dwayne Haskins uh, because of the connection going back to his college days. Um, so I, I I really like that. You And Dwayne Haskins is looking like he's been putting in work this offseason. He's come in better shape. So if he can take a step forward as a quarterback, then um, you like the, you know, you like what you already saw in Terry McCorn last year. And then you never know, you know, sky could be the limit there. And there's no other like there's no other big receiver threat to take away targets from Terry McLaurin right now. Like they just had uh, Harmon get Kevin Harmon went down with an injury. He'll be out the rest of the season, and so uh, he was projected to be that slot guy. You, we, we're not even sure who's going to be the tight end there. So the only guy that you can confirmly say I know he's going to get targets is Terry McLaurin. And and last thing I'll say here. Ron Rivera compared Terry McLaurin to my love, my other love, DJ Moore. So if you look at what DJ Moore did last year in this offense, he finished as the wide receiver 18 with Kyle Allen as the quarterback. Well, guess who the backup is for Washington now? Kyle Allen. So it gives me confidence to say that even if Kyle Allen comes in, I know that he has enough to get it done to make Terry McLaurin still be fantasy relevant. So with his ADP and where he's going, I'm going Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I, I love the the connection you made with DJ Moore here. The other thing to note is the offensive coordinator for the Washington football team is Scott Turner, North Turner's son. And so we know, and he already played this kind of role you know for you always the Carolina to your Panthers. Dad. You always listen well, to your dad. Well, you know that uh, they already kind of played this role in Carolina, which means even more so that you're going to have the opportunity for Terry McLaurin to be the guy that gets funneled targets here. And I love the point you made about it doesn't matter what the quarterback situation is because Terry McLaurin has the skill and the quarterbacks to get him the ball no matter what. And he's look, there's just not any other talent on that team. Yeah. There's just really not. I mean, it's it's his to his to lose as far as being the main like, vein of that offense. Don't be surprised if he gets like a 30 percent. I just love his there. ADP too right now. He's at the back of the of uh, the wide receiver two range. Look, I, I really love there's a range of like 22 to 30 of wide receivers that I really love. That's a sweet spot. So it's really just like take your pick of some of these guys. But Terry McLaurin's as good a bet as any, and I think he's just really poised for a big year, and he's got a ton of skill. Plus, PFF talking about him being one of the highest-graded rookies they've ever seen at the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. I think the only person to score higher was maybe OBJ uh, as far as their rookie year. So a lot of big things pointing up for Terry McLaurin. I love that pick, Johnny. Now we're the the finale, the best for last here, the running backs, the heavy hitters. This is what's important. you got to be able to hang your hat on some guys, and it gets tough with running backs because you need to make a choice, and they're just – 
they're so volatile based on the the violence of the position and the career length and things of that nature. So, Johnny, if you've got to give Whisper Nation one guy that they can fall in love with, that they can set it and forget it in their roster this year, who's it going to be for you? This guy almost made it as my dark horse, and he would have made it as my dark horse running back uh, earlier in the show if it weren't uh, for this segment. I didn't want to bring his name up twice because I didn't want to rob Whisper Nation of not getting a little bit extra of fantasy value in this show. So I went with the one, the only, my romance love of RB for a while now. That is running back for the one, the only, my Arizona Cardinals, Kenyon Drake. And I'm not, it's not a, a fan uh, it has nothing to do with me as a fan loving Kenyon Drake, and that's why I'm hyping him up. It totally has to do with his production. So last year he gets traded midseason to Arizona, and I understand like he didn't do anything. He didn't do much before that because Miami, newsflash, had no idea what they were doing over there for the first half of the season. Um, gets traded to um, Arizona. From weeks 9 to 16, Kenyon Drake was the RB4 in half-point PPR. This offensive line in Arizona, most people will say, oh, well, they're it's really, really bad, Johnny. Like, they're they're really bad. And I will say one um, that their O-line is better than you think. Pro Football Focus uh, ranked their O-line as, uh, like, 22, which was a big, a big jump from – or 21, which was a big jump from last year. And what I will say is you look at all the individual grades along the offensive line, and they're all B, you know, pretty good solid Bs across the board, and they are actually one of the best pass protection uh, groups. Um, they, they have solidified that offensive line by going out and getting a first-round uh, talent at the offensive uh, tackle position in the third round, and Pro Football ranked him – as the best offensive tackle or offensive, um, yeah, tackle coming out of uh, the draft. So Cardinals get a huge uh, momentum swing there by getting him in the third steal. And listen, they trade for DeAndre Hopkins, who is going to make it so that way the teams cannot stack the box because they're going to spread this out. So Kenyon Drake should have, you know, very favorable matchups uh, in the box. And I get it. I get you're saying all this stuff, Johnny. This was all last year with with Cardinals. How do we know that he's going to repeat this? I don't know if I believe it. Cardinals could be that hype team. Well, I'll tell you what. Kenyon Drake, before he came to the Cardinals, in three years with Miami on limited action. I understand he only had 286 carries. But in those 286 carries, he had 13, over 1,300 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. He had 47 uh, first downs, which is a huge feat for, for running backs. If you look at um, that sample size, he ranked uh, fifth in yards per carry at 4.9. He was 4.5 all last year with Arizona, so not a huge drop off there. He was second in force missed tackles. Uh, the only other guy was the guy that I mentioned as my dark horse and Nick Chubb. And he was second in yards after contact. So he is a, a, a very good running back. He just has not been given the opportunity. Arizona gave him that opportunity. And most people now are just saying, and the reason why he's not being drafted top 10 are because people are nervous that this was a fluke, that it was a small sample size. But I'm telling Whisper Nation now, and I'm confessing my love for him, it's not a small sample size. This guy is an elite talent. 
at the running back position. He is this year's Aaron Jones. He is 2020's Aaron Jones. You heard it here first. I'm done. That's my bromance. That's all. I, I love everybody. I love yeah, look, you made a perfect case, top to bottom, for Kenyon Drake. We've been talking about Kenyon Drake pretty much nonstop on the show, trying to get Whisper Nation on board with the fact that if you don't come away from your draft with uh, you know, Kenyon Drake, you're missing out on a huge opportunity, especially if you play in multiple leagues. The bottom line is the Cardinals want to run a ton of plays. They were capable of doing it last year. They're going to be even more capable of doing it this year. The opportunities alone are going to be profitable for Kenyon Drake. And then you talk about what Cliff Kingsbury has always done in his career as far as targeting the running back position. And we have an elite receiver at the running back position in Kenyon Drake. There's just so many good things to say about Kenyon Drake. I will say the one thing is I don't know if the Cardinals are sold on him as their long-term answer, given the transition tag, but it doesn't matter if you're in redraft leagues, just buy him up right now and get after it because he is going to be majorly profitable. My running back bromance for 2020 is probably going to turn some heads here. It's probably going to get people like Travis. Why? Why would you make me do this again? I was hurt. I don't want to get hurt again. But as Michael Scott says, I think I'm ready to get hurt again. And I think I'm ready with James Conner. That's my 2020 bromance uh, at the running back position. And I know what you're saying. Oh, this guy can't stay healthy. Look at what happened. The wheels fell off last year. He only played in 10 games. It wasn't very pretty. Only had 700 all-purpose yards or a little bit over that. Only seven total touchdowns. He was on pace for 63 targets, though. That would have ranked 13th among running backs. Um, Look, I think we can basically sum up what happened last year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've talked about it with Juju. We're going to talk about it here with James Conner. Big Ben was hurt, okay? And I am telling you right now, James Conner is in a contract year heading into an offense with Big Ben. Look, since, you know, prior to 2019 where he had that injury, Big Ben has played in 14 or more games in five of the previous six seasons, okay? I'm going to list you, coming back from the oldest to now, Pittsburgh starting running back finishes in those five seasons. RB14, RB2, RB4, RB2, and RB7. That RB7 was James Conner in just 13 games in 2018. In that span, the Pittsburgh starting running back has averaged 334 touches, Johnny. 334 touches for a starting running back. Tell me that's not a guaranteed running back one in fantasy football. You can't. Connor is in a contract year. I talked about it before. He's been working out with Le'Veon Bell. His back looks bigger than the flipping Grand Canyon right now. He's just jacked. Uh, James Connor is going in the fourth round behind guys that we've talked about before. Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Austin Eckler, barf. Like, give me James Connor in the fourth round and tell me he's not going to at least be an RB2 and with a shot at getting you a top five ceiling on 300 plus touches. Yes, I get it. The health risk is there. The health risk is there for every single running back in fantasy football. If his risk is there, then if the risk is there for everyone, then give me somebody that can get you into the top five. And I think James Conner is that guy in that offense with a healthy Big Ben. I I actually do like the James Conner pick. I I think that we've seen enough from Mike Tomlin to say that, hey, if this guy is healthy, we know he's going to go with a one running back system. And to get a one run, you know, a, a workhorse running back in the fourth round, like you said, that was just going in the first round last year. The talent is still there. It's just the injury risk is now baked in. And it, it's reminded me very similar of 
what happened to Keenan Allen a few years ago at the wide receiver position who kept getting these injuries and, um, you know, people labeled him injury, uh, you know, an injury concern, an injury risk. And what happened when people took him in the fourth and fifth round that year, he all of a sudden uh, jumped up, was one of the best wide receivers because he stayed healthy and uh, it was going in the second round the next year. So uh, I, I definitely back you on the, on the James Conner. And in and, and that fourth round, like you said, that injury risk at that price is baked in. And so yeah. um, if it just reminds me a little at, at the running back position of, of Todd Gurley prior to his number one years, his back to back number one years, he was coming off a knee injury out of college and people were not very uh, prone to want to draft him. But he was going in the third round that year and he ended up being the number one running back. I just think all things are lined up, at least for Connor to be a guy that can hit the top five. When I look at Melvin Gordon, is Melvin Gordon going to be top five this year, even best case scenario? I don't think so. Not with Philip Lindsay still on the roster. Leonard Fournette in that offense, I just don't see it happening. You know, Todd Gurley, I love the guy. I think he's great. I just don't know if that knee can hold up. And then Austin Eckler, we've talked about his durability. Give me James Connor. This guy is still young. He's in a contract year and he's in an offense that projects to be one of the top ones if Big Ben stays healthy. Yeah, great pick. All right, so that wraps it up, Whisper Nation. But we want to know what you think. Who are some of your bromances for the 2020 season? If you like what you heard, comment below. Let us know what you got going. Hit us up in our DMs. Uh, but, Johnny, we've got to tell Whisper Nation, get over there and get our draft kit. 2020 draft kit is live. It's over on the fantasywhispers.com. We have worked so hard on this thing to get you guys everything you need in a compact form so that you can dominate your 2020 season and bring home some championships. Uh, appreciate you, Whisper Nation, for listening in. For Johnny Game Time Hicks and Chelsea Byers, the woman behind the glass, I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Good night. <laughs> Good night, Moon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.